This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Kreuter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today, we're rounding with Dr. Gallo, an assistant professor of medicine and physician in the Department of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine at Mayo Clinic to discuss laboratory testing in critical care medicine. So thanks for joining us today, Dr. Gallo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, this conversation that you and I are going to have really kind of cuts to the heart of what this podcast got started as, this sort of connecting the lab medicine and the clinical practice, and hopefully we can have an insightful conversation here. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. <laughs> and I think your entire podcast idea is phenomenal. I, I love listening uh, to it, so I'm really excited that you invited uh, me. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's kick into this. And I always like to start with kind of the why question. And I'm curious, as a critical care physician, why is, is laboratory testing important for your practice? I would say, like, I love the question why, but I would say for critical care, most uh, laboratory workup that we do is kind of like to wrap up our main diagnosis or the main things we're thinking about. So for example, if someone comes with low blood pressure and kind of like outer mental status, we are already thinking that they are in shock. And then we order labs such as lactate to see if indeed they are having like low perfusion to the peripheral tissues or to main organs. But we already kind of thought about it when they had low blood pressure and outer mental status. And I'm just using this as an example. Other things, uh, if someone comes in with chest pain and we're thinking, oh, they're having an acute coronary syndrome, we will obviously get troponins as kind of like an, an adjunct to our history of physical exam to help corroborate the diagnosis we are already thinking. So I would say that in the critical care world, labs are so important to kind of like help corroborate our initial hypothesis and also to maybe sway us away from that initial one if it was not correct. Sometimes we think someone is in septic shock and then we get a hemoglobin of six, but we didn't see blood coming out from anywhere yet. So we kind of have to think about like hemorrhagic shock instead. So I would say labs help us. Yeah, in the way I hear you there, it's really this, um, I don't know what the right analogy is. I kind of go thinking about, it's obviously winter here in Minnesota and I think it's like minus 20. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> cold it is outside right now, but it's quite cold. I'm thinking about cross-country skiing and kind of you as a physician or cross-country skiing and the laboratory medicine is kind of those tracks that are helping Ooh, you like uh, stay in that rhythm. And, and certainly for the cross-country skiers out there, you know, when you, when you're doing a turn or something, you get out of that groove of that track, it, it's, uh, that ski like has it. no edge. I think you're spot on. Another important thing for the critical care world also, you want to make sure that you're ordering labs that are going to help you, right? I always struggle when we order all the labs in the world and then we're like, okay, what well, we do with them now if they are like swaying us off the track. So, <laughs> but you're like spot on. I think labs in the ICU help us go towards the right direction of management, but you have to have like an initial hypothesis to get like the right ones that you need. Mm -hmm. 
it's obvious probably to a lot of our listeners that, that you are a big user of the laboratory. So critical care medicine in general is a big user of the laboratory. I'm curious, what do you wish us lab medicine folks understood better about critical care medicine. And for our listeners, right, I mean, this is coming from a point of we are all working towards this ideal of this collaborative practice uh, for optimal patient care. And when we're coming from two different areas, like myself and, and Dr. Gallo are, you know, there's some just natural perspectives that are different. So this question is kind of asked from that purpose is, what do you wish that we understood about how your world works or how some of your perspectives are that, that might actually help us support you better? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. And I was hoping that I could say two things, if that's okay. Absolutely. I would say the first one is, 99% of the time in the ICU, when we say stat, we really mean stat. We need it right now because this will change management. There are several things that we can do while we're waiting for lab results, right? But when we say stat in like in a critical situation, 99% of the time we really mean stat. We are not just like inpatient and just want to know. Mm. So that would be one of them. And the other one is... Um, we know also that the majority of our labs are going to be in the critical value world. So we are okay with that, but it's very interesting. Sometimes we get the phone calls like this is a critical value. And we're like, we are already expecting, I'm just going to give an example. Okay. We were already expecting a potassium of like seven. Mm -hmm. And then someone calls like, oh, but it's 6.3. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then the other, the other side of the phone is like, oh, Okay, for us, we are aware that most of our labs are going to be within the critical value world. Our lab uh, medicine friends might think, oh, this is very worrisome. And sometimes for us at the bedside, it's like, oh, that's actually an improvement. So we are happy about this one, you know. When you asked me this question, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, oh, sometimes I wish they saw what we are seeing because um, their critical value for us is actually an improvement. So we're happy about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. What strikes me about that, about the critical value is this is kind of highlighting this cornucopia of clinical medicine. The critical values are something that are established as kind of institutions. Each institution is going to decide what's going to be their critical value. And a lot of that is kind of designed around this idea of making sure like if you're seeing somebody an outpatient and or in the floor and somebody's stable. And so I guess situations where patients are not as closely uh, monitored, that's where, you know, picking these up and making sure the physician's aware of it because it could be something that could be yeah. making a difference. But yeah, how the critical care world is really with that kind of more intense eyes on the patient. And I think it's like very important also is exactly what you said. Sometimes the outpatient world those labs will come back to the physician or the, or the APP caring for those patients. They are not a bedside. In the ICU, there is a clinician at bedside 24-7. We are already thinking ahead and thinking about like what we are expecting from the labs and things, and things like that, you know? So I think the whole perspective is different. I just feel like in critical care, we just have a magnifying lens on everything that's happening to the patient, especially the lab work that we are ordering. Yeah.
For more laboratory education, including a listing of live conferences, webinars, and on-demand content, visit news.mayocliniclabs.com forward slash education. Let me ask you this. We kind of brought up there's different ways different approaches and the variety of clinical medicine out there, what would be your advice to somebody like myself? So a laboratory medicine professional that's interested in developing a better understanding of critical care medicine, how can I serve and help your practice better? I think it's a little hard, right? Since we sort of live in our different fiefdoms and areas and, you know, I, you know, how do I set foot in your territory? How do I walk? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I'm up there in the ICU. What's, what's the secret handshake, Dr. Gallo? <laughs> that's a phenomenal question. And first, I want to tell you that I, I really think that at Mayo, at least, we work really well together. I'm going to start by saying that. And I'm not saying this just because we're friends. Like, I really, really, really think at Mayo Clinic, the lab practice and the ICU practice, they work really well together. I really do. When I was in fellowship, I spent a month with you. So maybe having like two week rotation, even for the lab medicine, pathology residents and fellows, I think just for them to see what we do and like what we are expecting, I think that would be one good one. And you're always welcome to hang out with me in the ICU, especially at night nights in the ICU are a lot of fun. (laughs) But I really do like not in all seriousness, though, I, I really think we work really well together. I think that maybe some values or maybe some phone calls of critical things might be tailored towards where the sample is coming from, maybe. I really think we work really well together. And I especially appreciate you guys when we are asking for like blood products in general, the phone calls that you guys give to us. It's amazing because you teach us so much about like, oh, this is going to take longer because we found some antibodies. And that's something that again, a bedside, I just want blood, you know, I just want them to stop bleeding, or I just want the platelets, I just want them to stop bleeding. So I really think we work really well together. But I do think that a two week rotation for the trainees, I think it would be really cool. I think they would um, understand even better why they chose the specialty they chose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're you're probably right there. Probably you and I aren't going to steal fellows from each other. (laughs) I think (laughs) it will, it might. You know, I really like your answer. It's it's very brilliant. I I love you know my my medical educator heart is going pitter patter with the idea that you're kind of connecting. Does this idea of interprofessional collaboration? What I hear in your answer is that uh, interprofessional education yes. is an important component for that. My educator heart always has the learners in the forefront. Also, so we share that love. So. I think as a rotation, that's where, you know, I know my experience in the past was, you know, when I rotated through the ICU, uh, when I was in training as a clinical pathology, anatomic pathology resident, I really functioned as a uh, clinical pathology consultant rounding with the team. And, and in my case, that actually uh, worked 
quite well, I thought. So for the listeners out there that are hearing this, in my situation, I did that rotation as a senior resident. Uh, That was as actually I was preparing for board. So, you know, one, I was uh, more senior. So I think I had uh, a lot to offer the team. But at the same time, you know, after we would round, I would go and study for my board exam. (laughs) So it it worked out to be a nice combination. I don't think staying there for 12 hours and doing shifts, but like, I would say like maybe coming for morning rounds and rounding with the teams or, and maybe doing like one week with one team, one week with the other team, just, or different ICUs, even like one week in the MICU, one week in a surgical ICU. Cause I also can tell you that the needs from a surgical ICU were also different than the needs from a medical ICU in terms of like lab work, in terms of um, urgency and emergencies. So I I think it will be really cool because then again, they will know what questions we normally ask. They will know our rationale behind ordering labs, especially the ones that are sometimes like, oh, why are we ordering this again? You know, Mm -hmm. we do have some of those sometimes, you know, and we made like some really interesting diagnosis also like adults with diseases that we know are congenital that made to adulthood and we didn't think about those diseases until they were sick in the ICU you know Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're you're getting like genetic things for an adult you know that's making your internal medicine go heart go pitter patter exactly exactly (laughs) but I still think that it will be very interesting and I, I believe that it would brings us even closer to speak the same language. And I do think we communicate very well, but I think it will bring us, bring us even closer. And again, like I said, rotating with you when I was a fellow was amazing because I was like, oh, I get this now, you know, because in my brain, I would put an order and that blood would magically appear, you know, <laughs> so... Yeah, and I think just as a side note, one of the important parts of that is should there be delays or the way that process uh, works, I I think that's where it's also helpful to understand what is happening inside that black box. And like you're pointing out, sometimes it's stat and you're like, okay, we just need uncross-matched blood now, thanks. Yeah, I think delay is perceived, right? Because again, we are at bedside, but you are in the background doing the best you can to deliver whatever we are delivering safely to the patient. And that's the key. But when you are at bedside and someone is in shock and you're doing everything you can, you perceive a delay, but in, it might be that we're just doing the right thing on the, on the other side. I really think that it was eye-opening rotating with pathology and the lab folks. Well, I'm going to save that segment. Please do. Like, I'm honest. I've always told you this. This is not the first time I tell you this. <laughs> so let's, I want to kind of center now. I want to close out with, we've been talking a lot about this intersection between the lab and, and critical care medicine. I'd like to think about going forward in the future, more generally, not specifically here at Mayo, but what do you see for the future kind of collaboration between laboratory medicine and critical care practice? I think we already talked about education. So I'm just going to say we already talked about education. I wish we could do some studies and I don't even know, like I didn't put much thought into how to design this and things like that. But like, do we really need daily labs in the ICU? Do we really need Q4 hour labs when we're following electrolytes, for example? Do we really need those? Does does it change outcomes? Does it change patient safety? 
does it change what we do with those results, you know? So I, I wish we could collaborate more on research. And by we, I mean ICUs in general and lab medicine in general to see if everything that we order, again, as a clinician, when I'm ordering them, I know that I have a rationale behind ordering them. But do I really need daily labs? Does it really make a patient like get off a vent faster? Does it really make a patient get off pressors faster? I'm not sure I know the answer to that. And I wish we could look more into that to maybe get less blood draws in the future, you know, and maybe cause less iatrogenic anemia because if someone is in the ICU for three days, their hemoglobin is going to drop and is mainly because we order so many less. Well, Dr. Gallo, you are a triple threat. I mean, in this uh, quick podcast here, we've talked about clinical practice, we've talked about education, and then now you've really brought in research, which I think for a lot of our listeners, right, when you think about our listenership, clinicians, laboratory professionals, and students, it sounds like there is opportunities for a lot of collaboration. So thank you, We've been rounding with Dr. Gallo talking about lab medicine in critical care. And uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk about this with us, Dr. Gallo. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email. Please direct any suggestions to mcleducation at mayo.edu and reference this podcast. If you've enjoyed Lab Medicine Rounds podcast, please subscribe. Until our next rounds together, we encourage you to continue to connect laboratory medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations. Mm -hmm.